0: And welcome to Nobody Asked Us, where two friends try to figure out the things that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. So join me, Sanaz. And me, Rachel. As we delve into all the things that nobody asked us about, but we really wanted to share. So today we want to discuss Europhilia and specifically what we think is America's fascination and obsession with Europe. Um, both of us have spent quite a bit of time living um, and even just visiting Europe. And this is a topic that you and I just love to talk about and less about how we feel about it and just more our Mm -hmm. observations about America's relationships or concepts of Europe. Um, So Rachel, why don't we just start off with kind of discussing our own background experience?
1: So do you want to just give us your background there? Sure. So I grew up traveling to Europe a lot. My parents are professors and my dad does a lot of work in Europe. So we would spend summers um, at, in various locations. We took, a, you know, wherever my dad had a engagement or my mom did too, because she also does a lot of work on the continent. Um, we spent a summer in a palace in Portugal. My dad is an anthropologist, so he studies um, European aristocrats a lot of the time. Uh yeah, so that was...
0: you get to sample the, the housing. <laughs> yes, possible? we
1: lived in like a full full on palace in Lisbon mm-hmm. with like there was a butler and we had to, you know, it was very formal. That's hilarious. Um uh, yeah, not like an average tourist no. experience. No, this is not a selfie tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so there was that, and then you know, we spent time in Italy. I spent quite a lot of time in Denmark, whatever, a lot of trips. So I got, it was very much a part of our family experiences together. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, That's cool. So for me, my family came from Iran when I was five. So we did one really big move
1: <laughs> early on. Um,
0: and we didn't really get to travel until after we had our green card, which just takes forever. So I was a teenager the first time we went to Europe. And we went to like Greece and Italy. And then the following summer... I just discovered like scholarships to go abroad. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is the best hack ever. Um, It was great. I was like, somebody else was to pay for my like summer vacation. And it's a student exchange. And I don't even have school like cool. (laughs) Um, So then I did like another European trip all over Europe um, after my junior and then, you know, again, senior year and I just I and I went to other places like South American things too but I think for me what I just noticed growing up was like at least from my family's perspective coming from something that was you know far more extreme like I guess Iran to the U.S. even geographically speaking it felt like they also really liked certain aspects of European culture and attitudes. Um, I think I also just took in a lot of that positive reinforcement when we traveled where my parents would be like what a beautiful cobblestone street or, you know, what gorgeous old architecture or what, how great Mm -hmm. their train system is, you know? And I think that's sort of like infused into me as well as like things of value. Um, So I definitely Mm -hmm. grew up with that. So I would say like high school, a lot of just travel as much as I could. And then in college I spent a semester in Paris, a semester in Barcelona Um, and then after college, I lived in London for a few years and, you know, obviously traveled a lot throughout Europe as well for that. Um, but I would say one thing that's really (laughs) shaped me and is like evolving is, um, the year that I did abroad while we were at at Rice, that first semester in France was actually like not great. (laughs) It was just a lot of little factors. It was like the homestay and my roommate and. The other kids and the neighborhood. You do you know what I mean, like little tweaks that if they had been just a little bit different, I think I could have had a completely different experience. Mm, yeah, I remember feeling such a difference between my France experience versus my Spain experience, and Spain was just extra wonderful. And I think I walked away kind of with a greater love for Spain and Barcelona where I was, and just had a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth for a long time after that with Paris, and then. When I lived in London, I had a project in Paris again, and it was like really tough and, you know, difficult, like, I don't know, interpersonal conflicts and stuff. And I just was like, God damn it. Like, this is just so hard for me. So I think I've like kind of evolved from it. And I think as you get older, you, you know, see things differently as you mature. But I have to say, like, that experience, as hard as it was and how unfulfilling that kind of like study abroad semester was, if you will... I wouldn't take it back for the world because I just felt like it shaped me. It taught me a lot. It toughened me up. And like you said, like being very conscious that you're in somebody else's country, I think it really gave me that awareness. So while I didn't enjoy the moment, I'm really glad that I had that lesson. And I just think that like, I really enjoy the schadenfreude whenever Americans go to Paris, because there is nothing more humbling than an American in Paris. And I just love seeing it. Like, I love that in like Emily in Paris. (laughs) that stupid show because i just love every french person just yelling at her um <laughs> <me> yeah.
1: <laughs> no that show i i have not been able to watch it because yeah. I, honestly just the concept of it pisses me off yeah <laughs> just yeah like, oh no we don't need another one of those people like right like, right we need another american like being ignorant and you know yeah but I love
0: I love the other country being like, yo, you're in our land now. You need to adjust. Because I think that's just such an American stereotype of going everywhere and assuming everything Americans better and are up. I know, but I
1: don't want I we don't need that bad rap there either. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, I don't want that held against me when I go there. Right. Um yeah. okay. I think that we should probably like define what we mean in terms of like so there are there are like kind of major like lifestyle general themes that I feel like are different with mm-hmm. the U S and with Europe. So like you, you get this a lot when you meet people who move to the U S like your, like your family and you know, like a lot of the people who I've worked with and then also friends who come to work here, the U S there is a lot more just cause it's a bigger economy. And there is like a sense of like self creation right here. So you can't like, you're allowed to experiment and fail and, you know, start over again in theory and in practice a lot of the times mm-hmm. and you know there's people get paid more here and you can take bigger risks and you know there's not as many barriers to i don't know starting over again or starting a yeah, business or starting or, a business yeah, yeah. tax incentives and blah 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 yeah exactly um but there's those lists of like the best cities to live in and it, european cities all pretty consistently come out right. on top and forget all the criteria, but some of that has to do with just like quality of life for everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The
1: baseline. I think that's the mm-hmm. huge difference. Like in America, it's like,
0: if you do well, it's great. And everywhere else, it's like, our baseline is good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, America's a, it's been said before, America's a great place to be rich. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a terrible place to be poor. <laughs> And a terrible place to be poor. I think the tendency of a certain type of American, probably we're among them, is like to like criticize things that are that annoy us about our own country, and mm-hmm. be like, oh, it's so much better in Europe, right? But, you know, I mean, I still do know a number of people who, you know, waiting for green cards, want to work here,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: thinking of a German friend, a Greek friend, some Italians, and I'm like, oh, why do you want to be here? I've, I've asked them. I'm like, they're because you know the opportunity is there. And also like, if I go back home, it looks really good to have worked in the U S but you can just, you know, you can just go a bit further. Yeah. Um, Do you want to hear a crazy extreme of this?
0: When I was in business school, there were some classmates from South Korea that had children in the U S and, you know, they're only there for two years for their education went back. And some of them had one, maybe two kids. And uh, one thing that they told me was that there are certain exclusive private schools in south korea that it's not a requirement but it really helps if your kid is american born like even but, if they don't grow up there and you're like oh
1: my god so they, they they had children you mean like they gave birth to children in the u.s in the yes. u.s okay so they get the um it helped because the they knew they were going back because... home
0: yeah yeah but like the the goal wasn't to like have the u.s passport and it was just that like when we go back home, this will help our kid get into a more exclusive school.
1: <laughs> Interesting. That's Isn't that wait, crazy. Wait, why, why? Why is that? That's so funny.
0: I think going back to that sort of, I don't know, the benefits or stereotype or whatever that, like, oh, you were educated in America, you spent time in America, you're born in America. You know what huh. I mean? Like, just the link to America, like, is a step up. It's crazy. That still has that cachet, huh? Yeah. If you're I- ever down on America, Rachel. Nancy Pelosi's daughter. I can't remember. I think Alexandra da- uh, Pelosi's her name. Mm-hmm. She yeah, did a documentary she where yeah. she goes around the country and interviews people that are about to get naturalized, and it's the most heartwarming thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still just like, okay, really, you want this? Yeah, it's fine. Um, I know, I know but you know you're going to have to pay taxes no matter where you are. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, um, Yeah. No, but the um, so I. Having been, having spent significant time in Europe as an adult in when Bush was president, Obama, and Trump, and now Biden's, and now that's good again. But um, I feel like that affects your own awareness of like America and how Europeans treat you as an American. So, like, you know, when Bush was president, I mean, it was, I remember the summer of 2004 when I was in France, it was like right after the Iraq War very heavy anti-american sentiment and that was when people that was literally people were telling like sewing canadian flags onto their backpacks and i right. definitely did tell a few people i was canadian right. um, and then when obama was president it was kind of a feeling of like yeah that's our guy he's cool we're, Like we're cool. cool did you ever notice how much
0: you, like foreigners in general just know about american elections that oh yes was, i lived in london during the 2012 <sighs> election and i'm like the average European knows more
1: about our voting system than... <laughs> oh, they, like, they all know, like, where Fulton County, Georgia is now. Yeah. Um, um, it feels embarrassing to talk about it this way, but that makes me a little proud, in a way. Like, I'm like, oh, you care about my thing.
0: Like... Oh, really? No, it it scared me where I was like, oh, shit, this affects you, but you don't have a say. Mm, and you're just yeah. sitting there, like, with your fingers crossed, hoping that we don't fuck it up for everybody. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's a more yeah. That's that's also the lack part of, of it. power
0: and like control is what like surprised me because I was like, oh, this matters for you too. My bad, I didn't realize that.
1: Right, they're not following it because they love us, but it is kind of <laughs> no. uh, maybe it's almost like a like a narcissistic impulse where it's like, oh, they care. Exactly. Um, exactly. You yeah. know what? I thought of immediately when we started talking about this too was you know that episode of Dairy Girls, the last one. Where yeah. they have the or not the last one, the last one in the second season where there's the peace accords, and then they're all like waving their American flags, and they're so excited for the American president to come. And I'm like, Oh, he's kind of a big deal. Like yeah. there. Like they, oh, that's awesome.
0: One, yeah. one thing for me, Rachel, that I've also noticed for my own biases is when it comes to role models. I tend towards more European than American role models. Like I'm thinking like Hmm. even politicians like Angela Merkel or Jacinda Ardern or I love she's hard. Yeah. Fabulous. Jacinda's Um, from New Zealand. Just that's true. That's true. Kind of just more like, I don't know, I guess Western or foreigner Hmm. kind of effects. How do you feel about that? Like, I just think like, Hmm. for some reason, I'm geared more towards like a non-American role model path.
1: Well, I do think that there are more women, especially in politics that is right. in, abroad, I mean, I think it's for some reason, something about our political culture has made it very, I'm not going to go into that right now, has made it difficult for uh, women to reach higher positions, Nancy Pelosi, notwithstanding. Um at least the top figurehead positions. There is this idea of I think about like the chic, yeah, the the chic French lady. But I know what you're saying. There is something. There is this ideal, this like mystique that's so cool. I still haven't seen the Sound of Music. I'm sorry, but oh my gosh, I, we've definitely you've definitely told me lots of things about Baroness Schrader, um, <laughs> and she sounds so chic. Uh, yeah, what? there's this. There's, you know, what, like just like impeccable tailored clothes very yeah. dignified
0: just just as a background if anybody else hasn't seen the movie like you so in the sound of music um the lead actor christopher Plummer is basically a divorcee with seven children and then julia i'm uh, sorry julie andrews you know is the is the nanny that falls in love blah 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 but in the middle of this the father is dating this most fabulous socialite named baroness elsa schrader (laughs) and she's like a like a widow from vienna and he like brings her to meet the children and you know doesn't work out or whatever but i just remember as a kid just being like she is so chic i want to be her (laughs) like i don't understand why she's not the protagonist in the story (laughs) but yeah it's like we have that ideal of like that gorgeous you know chic european women at any age right like sexy at any age kind of thing so yeah that definitely rings true i guess obsession with like french style i love it because it's not so much about the actual clothing as it is about an attitude and i've Mm -hmm. always really really admired it i think they age more gracefully and again this has nothing to do with wrinkled it's just their attitude about getting older getting wiser what it means to be sexy at different ages do you
1: get what I'm saying like I I love that I think it's I think it spreads like an attitude towards like imperfections in general like the idea that you're supposed to like too much makeup that airbrush look is not yeah that are attractive like you want you know you know wrinkles or like freckles or something like quirkiness to show like your individuality your realness
0: Yeah. And just kind of like embracing what God gave you, doing the best with it, being super confident in it. I remember I sent my mom an article a while back. It was some French actress who was like, oh, I love my dark circles under my eyes. It's just such a mystery. And like my mom has like really dark circles. I was like, mom, they're in.
1: Enjoy. Oh, I love that. I think I read the same thing, too. I don't remember who it was. She's like, oh, no, it makes me look like I had like a night or something. It's a mystique. And I was like, mom, you're under eyes. It's a mystique embrace <laughs> go ahead i love that though and i you mm-hmm. know honestly i think that most people can pull off anything if they if they buy into it do you know what i mean oh, like if yeah you, you oh, know yeah. You just gotta work it oh when someone is and that's the thing too
0: it's like when i i don't know walk in the street in paris and i notice someone that i think is quote so chic it's not because they are i don't know classically beautiful you know face or whatever right it's just like they just own it. They carry it. You can tell there's, like, creativity and confidence. And it just, yeah, it's, like, the whole package is super inspiring.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, beauty is not necessarily perfection, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, those are different things. And I yeah. think that that kind of attitude really embraces. Like, that. Camille
0: Cotin, our favorite lady from Call My Agent. Incredible. Like Oh, show. yes.
1: Andrea. 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 She's one of the leads Andrea. on this French TV show about um, okay. talent agents. Anyway. Yes. I mean her nose is pretty big, but <laughs> it's just like, it's not a classical. So beautiful. Yeah. She, She's
0: she... just so stunning and just carries it all together. And you're just like, I, and you look at it and you're like, I wouldn't want to change anything about your face. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's no. not about seeing imperfection actually. And that's not the goal. Uh, yeah. She's just
1: such a stunner. I, yeah, I love that idea of, yeah. Just having like accepting, who you are. I just, I I was like, yeah, if she got a nose job, I would be very sad. Me too.
0: Like, please don't. I mean, not like,
1: because I don't know her personally, but that would be right. disappointing. Yeah.
0: All right, Rachel, from your perspective, what do you think is the most underrated place in Europe? Or like, where would you recommend to someone to go visit?
1: Okay, so I am going to give the recommendation that I always give when asked this question. Uh, I have been giving this recommendation to anybody who will listen it is estonia i have been going there for years because one of my best friends uh we met in grad school is from there it is a really just unique and cool place it's so it it, the country has existed for a long time under different rulers they've been fighting for independence they finally have it there's this like real they were last Ruled by the Soviets, and were I believe the first country to break free uh, from Soviet rule or declare independence. Uh, they have this real scrappy spirit. There's, it's a huge uh, startup hub, so it kind of has that entrepreneurial vibe that the U.S. has. I think, yeah, they, you, you can. There's a way that you can like start your business there, which is they make it very easy. So I think that's that aspect of it's cool. Um, the, there's this gorgeous, like old town with like, you know, perfectly preserved medieval beauty and the beast looking architecture that's you mm-hmm. know gorgeous. Uh, very like fairy tale, and then very traditional like Estonian stuff kind of just outside the old city., uh, people there are awesome. I've had great times there, a lot of fun. I mean, I yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It has this kind of mix of, polish and grit and energy and um, yeah, I would recommend Tallinn, Estonia. What about you? I'm dying to go there with
0: you, by the way. Um, yes. yes. I, so I love the Azores islands. That's one that I've just been recently going to that. I absolutely love and going back this summer, but I guess for most people, my recommendation would be Corsica because I feel like so many people end up going Ooh. somewhere in the Mediterranean And, you know, there's like, there's Sardinia, there's the Spanish Isles, like Ibiza, et cetera. But I just feel like most people overlook Corsica and it's just stunning. Like I, it's like a beautiful, like beauty and the beast town, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. yeah. and to this day, one of the best species I've ever been to, Palambaggio, is there and it's, you know, where Napoleon's from. I don't know. I just feel like most people don't go and I really, really loved it. So that would be my wreck.
1: Oh, that's cool. I've never been to Corsica. They, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they I mean, there, there, there's a lot of Italian influence there, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. both, both Italian and French, because um, mm. you know it's all in the middle. I mean, Malta is another one that um, has been through so many different rulers and. I mean, for me, I'm never going back to Malta because I had a terrible accident and, like, fainted and fell out of a bus and was
1: hospitalized. So Wait. No. what? Ha- oh, no. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I got, like, really ill. I don't know if I was, like, I don't know. Well, it's sun or something. And I just was on one of their, like, rickety buses. The driver wouldn't stop. I, oh. like, myself at the front and then fainted and, like, was in the hospital. And it's really funny because when I was in the hospital, I didn't realize this, but where they're located, Malta was called the nurse uh, of World War II. Um, because so many soldiers were sent there to recover. And actually they have like an incredible medical um, school and like training there. And a lot of Europeans go to study there and then go back home and and become doctors and it's all in English. And yeah, I had no idea that I was getting some of the best treatment for
1: (laughs) my terrible accident. It's not Malta's fault that you
0: fainted. No, no. And here's another like typical difference between American and European mentality. So at the time I was living in London, and when we went to the hospital, it was one of our common friends, Karina. And, um, you know, they told us, like, they're like, it's fine. Like, you just, you know, you pay for the, the night of the hospital and the ambulance. And then when you go back to the UK, like, you can just get reimbursed through the NHS. And typical, like, American mentality with, like, high cost of healthcare, right? I'm just freaking out. I'm like, can my parents wire me money? Like, what do I yeah. do? Oh, I'm like 26, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, how much is it all going to be? And by the way, this is like overnight in the hospital, Mm -hmm. ambulance, stitches, constant monitoring, like everything. They're like, um, it'll be 80 euro. (laughs) And I was like, charge it. Charge. That's That's
1: even, that's a little expensive, even for most European hospitals. I I feel like that's
0: because most places, I mean,
1: generally it's,
0: you know. Well, right. I just thought because I was in another country, would you know what I mean? Like, I I couldn't believe how good the systems were, even between the country. I, I don't know. I was just like floored. I was like, "Oh my god, this is, this is such an American preoccupation, right?" The, no, like- that's. I mean, but that's really <laughs> sad, and that's really
1: sad, though. That like that's you like know? the first thing
0: that. We, think, we of. think of exactly, right. yeah. Corsica would be my recommendation,
1: but cool. Anyway, um Malta's always been fascinating to me though. That's the place I want to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I would recommend it for other people. Just great like- healthcare if you fall out of a bus. Can yeah. I add one? I just I was just I had been googling things earlier about Americans in Europe and yeah. I found this article by Rick Steves, you know, Rick Steves from the oh, travel boy. show. Uh, I still watch him. This must be from a few years ago. He's a great American abroad. Yes, um, but he wrote this article and it must be from a long time ago because it talks about having Bush as president, which is something mm-hmm. and how that was, you know, reflected yeah, upon it, all travelers. It's called ugly American sentiment abroad. Many Americans trip suffer because they are treated like capitalized ugly Americans. Those who are treated like ugly Americans are treated that way because they are ugly Americans. <laughs> <laughs> they aren't bad people, just ethnocentric. All right, <laughs> and then he's he gives he's okay. The uh, the ugly American criticizes strange customs, demands to find America in Europe, invades the c- country with m- making no com- effort to communicate with the natives. Think the rest of the world is ganging up on us, quote unquote. And how much is that in real money? Okay, asks how much is that in real money? When That's funny. The thing. uh And then he gives ways to be the thoughtful American. Good, good advice, Rick. Seek out good the better. European styles of living. Want to learn by trying. Accept differences. Main, maintain yeah. humility. <laughs> Make an effort to bridge the language barrier. Yes, these are all good things. I mean, these are all ways to be like a good human. Good human yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But this is very funny because Rick is so mild mannered and he's like, you're ugly because you are ignorant. Yes, yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm um, hitting
0: journalism by Nice Rick Tease.
1: Yeah. Okay. So were we are we getting on to recommendations now? Go for it. Start Okay. So I have two. Uh, one is a bit of a nostalgic favorite for me. And this is my lowbrow wreck. Um, mm-hmm. The movie Eurotrip. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it in a couple years, but I did rewatch it. It largely holds up to the experience of <laughs> just the first time. Clue- yeah. Clueless American traveling in yeah. europe but it's you know they're not they're not ugly americans they're just hilarious uh it's it's great it's like a bunch of people who just graduated high school they you know go on a euro trip many classic moments from that uh who's in it. Isn't it there's the scotty doesn't know song in it mm-hmm. matt damon makes matt an damon appearance in it. <laughs> yeah um uh there are some like outdated like eastern european stereotypes you know when they end up in
0: I don't know like Bratislava They ended up
1: in Bratislava, which is by the way like an hour away from Vienna yeah they're like how much money do we have they're like a nickel oh no and then all of a sudden they're in or the yeah. finest hotel and yeah. whatever and then like, that's the guy like change and he's like I quit I quit I'll start my own hotel yeah they're on the euro now and they're no, whatever yeah. like that was like not fair but it's a very funny movie um so that's for some like entertainment. The other one is a book that I don't even know is in print, but I think you could probably find it on Amazon somewhere. It's a book called, my friend gave this to me when we were studying abroad, she was dating a European and she thought it was really interesting. Um, it's called understanding Europeans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, by a guy named Stuart Miller. He's married to a Belgian woman and it, it, it is painted in broad strokes, but it, outlines a few like very distinct cultural differences between um europeans generally and americans uh it's very good it's it's almost as much about americans as it is about europeans because it's in the Mm -hmm. contrast right it's like comparative Um, there's three things that he talks about i'll just summarize them here and you can read the book if uh you're curious but it says things that shape uh european sensibilities are Um, history of like living in a certain town and like belonging to it and usually like small towns so there's like a sense of like place and privacy that comes from that like europeans are notoriously much more not notoriously famously i'll say much more concerned with issues of personal privacy a history of warfare and having to like kind of like warfare on your territory so like being, you know, you think of like the big fortress buildings in Paris, which have like five locks on the door. Also like relying on your community through hard times, having to like have a real sense of like how the community network operates in contrast to the American kind of individual strike it out on your own ideal. And then the third one is like a history of uh, having like uh, social hierarchies. So aristocracy and nobility. Um, and that kind of deals with like, either like, just like a sense of like your place in society. These are like very broad stroke things, but also like a sense that like that's fixed, Um, which is again, broad and uh, classically speaking, like these things are always in flux and there's always exceptions, but it's a fascinating study Hmm. of it. And this is his theory um on it and i thought i found it really compelling especially having read it when i was traveling and living abroad um but yeah anyway understanding europeans great book and euro trip hilarious very <laughs> light-hearted don't take it too seriously but funny Love uh, it. yeah anyway so sanaz what are you recommending
0: my recommendation is a movie called Perfect Strangers, which originally was an Italian film from 2016 by the director Paolo Genovese. And this film has now been remade over 20 times in different countries just because the premise holds up so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. So basically, the premise of the story is that one evening, there are seven old friends. So three couples and a divorcee will meet for a dinner party there's a psychiatrist in the group who proposes like a fun dinner party game where everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table. And then anytime anybody receives a call, a text, whatever, all of them will read it out together or listen to the call and answer together as a group. Meaning like there's no secrets between us, right? Like we're all pals and they all go into it. But like, you know, chaos basically ensues because there's so much, you know, kind of like, affairs going on and lies and like hiding things from each other and it's just so fascinating that this film has been recreated so many times in so many different countries and i like keep seeing it on the plane (laughs) wherever i go because i feel like every country has a version of this Mm. Um, i think i've probably seen three or four of them all very similar all really entertaining and i just thought that was really fascinating of like this premise that is so kind of central and common to all of us like obviously in different countries like it's even been made in some parts of the middle east so you know they're gonna approach things like homosexuality differently but it is just fascinating how at the end of the day there are some things that just bring us all together so i just thought that'd be a really cool uh movie for people to watch in pretty much any language they choose (laughs) well uh,
1: isn't it also like like part of the interesting thing is like it's very it's a very adaptable like story yes premise but it's also it tells you a lot about if you watch them comparatively it tells you a lot about the culture that it was made in exactly Exactly. yeah yeah that's cool that's cool. i haven't seen any of them but i will see which ones are streaming all right well thank you guys for joining us this time and uh we'll catch you back here awesome thanks everybody Bye. bye bye